Welcome to the Busy Being Born podcast with your hosts Kamande and Kigondu. What's up? What's up? Hey. Hey, how are you doing? Salama sana maze. Karibu to another episode. Even you karibu to another episode of the Busy yeah. Being Born podcast. Yeah. Asante sana. Yeah. Uh, and you as well. Yeah, it's thank a you. Beautiful it's Saturday a beautiful morning. Saturday morning. I'm happy to be alive. Healthy. Yeah. Are you healthy? Same here. Mm-hmm. Same here, Vanessa. Super yeah. grateful for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Super exciting episode ahead. So let's jump in. Let's jump in. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this episode is brought to you by Funky Science. Funky Science is an education technology company striving to ensure that kinesthetic learning is incorporated into cognitive learning at a young age through creative experimentation. Funky Science delivers creative science experiments via online classes, camps, clubs, and events with the aim of encouraging students to love and practice science. The direct beneficiaries of funky science are school-going kids, children of ages between 5 and 13. The experiments are interactive and encourage children to ask all sorts of questions about science and also to participate in a wide variety of experiments. Through these experiments, they teach children the value of science in their daily lives and that of science in not only and that science is not only manageable but very easy and fun. And introducing the funky science kit um, the Funky Science Kit has incorporated the learning aspects into their novel science kits. And these kits help children discover new lessons and amazing adventures. Each kit has experiment flashcards to guide the child with step-by-step instructions on how to conduct each experiment. Um, they have content that is fun, relevant, and aligns content with the education curricula from 844 to CBC, Aladam, <laughs> <laughs> Aladam CBC, uh, parents as as well as international curricula, and it develops an innovative spirit in learners by using regular everyday tools that you can access within your household. Funky Science working towards inspiring the next generation of scientists, and you can find them online. Yes, you can. Anywhere on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook with their videos that they post every week. A um, very interesting experiment. Uh, you can try them out with your kids. That is at F-U-N-K-E-S-C-I-N-C-E. Funky Science, inspiring the next generation of scientists. Of scientists. Maze, they've mm-hmm. been the most uh, prolific supporters of this yeah. podcast. And the founder is a very cool person as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> <laughs> and like we always say, we ought to have her seated here at some point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, otherwise, Karibuni Sana, ladies and gentlemen. We have a guest. We have a guest. We have a guest. And you know what? <laughs> this guest is helping us wrap the final episode of season one. Amazing. Woo-hoo! And I, I genuinely <laughs> and honestly would not have asked for a better guest. Yeah? Yeah. Really cool way to wrap this it all up. This is a huge, huge honor. Yeah. And then we'll get into it. But we have a guest. 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 Um, should I ask? Yes. Are they, <laughs> are they brilliant? Are they brilliant? Of course uh-huh. they are brilliant. Uh-huh. Are they representing the motherland? They are representing the motherland. Always uh-huh. have. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Across the continent, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. this Kenya. is one of those episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A bit of everything everywhere. Yep. And last yep. but not least, are they busy being born? They are obviously busy being born constantly. Fantastic. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen. Tell us more. We are honored to have our guest here today. Our guest today is an award-winning creative. He has won accolades such as Playwright of the Year, Best TV Host, and garnered lots of recognition for his radio and acting pursuits over his years working at his craft. He is most noted for his acting, but has been 
absolutely prolific with voice and radio gigs, so much so that he stands out with his own sort of style, eloquence, voice, and definitely sense of humor. He has worked with powerhouses in media such as Homeboys Radio, Hot 96, Kiss 100, and had a remarkable run at the home of rock that was XFM. This was for a good number of years, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, as an actor, he has featured and led in world-class projects such as the AMVCA 2018 film of the year, 18 Hours, the MTV African series, Sugar, the South African TV series, Jacob's Cross, among others, and with local features on his sh- um, and with local features on shows such as Selena, and leading in the campus-based series Higher Learning, that was earlier in his career. He is also a respected TV host with outstanding shows such as What's Good Africa and The Kenyan Bake Off, which he won an award for. Uh, these are at least the two that we mentioned right now under his belt. And we haven't even named over, you know, the 50 plays he's been part of, yeah, both as actor and director and even writer. We haven't even said much about his podcast pursuits and blogs and everything. Ladies and gentlemen, we could go on on and on about this African brother. But it is our honor, indeed, our honor to have with us the indomitable actor, MC radio presenter and TV host, writer, director, and the should-be-certified Fry's Whisperer. Ladies and gentlemen, we give you Nick Ndeda. That's what's up. Nick Ndeda. That's what's up. You know what you should do? Yeah. That entire script? Yeah. Please print it, and then the day I die, I want to have that <laughs> shit put up right there on my epitaph. Like, that, ah, that's wow. What's yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's 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 weird. Like, I mean, I know I know that I've done that stuff, but it's always it's strange when I hear someone saying all these things, and I'm like, wait, I did that, I did that too. Wow, it's I don't know. It's, no. it's that's cool though. That's cool. Like, like, you say, that, that's busy being born. Uh, yeah, you're doing so much stuff <laughs> that you can barely recall. And, and you know that speaks to your levels of talent. And, yeah, and but that's talent. a great intro. Thank you so much, and yeah, I'm glad to up. be here. Hey, Season hey, finale, hey, man. Hey, Season finale. That's what's up. That's what's up. Karibu san and thanks for honoring um, for honoring this. Yeah. Um. Um. I'm a bit starstruck. Okay. Okay. I, I think that's a good place to start because you and I, um, in maybe 2008, mm-hmm. nine, yeah, were huge fans of, I think maybe it was new then yeah homeboys radio mm-hmm. and one of our favorite shows was one to four one to four yeah and i remember every time we'd get together we'd say oh, have you had um did you hear what nick Nedo was talking about the yeah. other day what music he played um Yo. you introduced me personally to a lot of artists yeah yeah That's yeah what's up. yeah um Excellent. i remember one of my favorite songs that you always used to play was kinney big deal can you mm, big deal? Oh, Can you big deal? What? <laughs> you remember that? Yes, yeah? I remember. Yeah, so I'm very starstruck because uh, revered significantly and still do. Mm-hmm. You and your efforts and um, always been a big fan. So when Kigondo told me that, hey, you could have Nick Neda on, I was like, yeah, um, that's definitely one of the pool I'd like to learn from. And so thanks for making time. Mm. Mm. My pleasure, man. Yeah. My yeah. pleasure. Hey, and the concept of busy being born is just as we say it, constantly wanting and choosing to improve yourself, mm-hmm. moving from one stride to the next. So we have seen that. So he speaks of 2007, eight, mm-hmm. and these are many, many years uh, from then. And we've seen your career go through everything we've read. And guess right. what? We had to even cut it short, bro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's start there. Personally, what keeps you going? 
what keeps you going what keep, what makes you say yes to the next project what keeps you going even when it's really really tough and you sort of think ah let me jump out of this mm-hmm. one of the major things that keeps me going is money <laughs> i like it hey. i like the things it does i like the things it can get me but also it's strange that um because i was talking to an ex girlfriend two weeks ago and i was telling her that I just I I need to become more dope. And first thing she told me like first of all you need to expand your vocabulary. You're a writer. Stop saying everything is dope. <laughs> But I like the word dope. I don't know. It's yeah. a dope word. It's a dope word, yeah. Right? Yeah. But um when I told her that she was like I feel I feel like what you're always doing is you're just you're always chasing you're always chasing like a high. And I told her well it's not really a high it's just I like chasing things that I feel I can do. And when I say things I feel I can do, I'm one of those guys who even before I started acting, not before I started acting, before I got roles on stage, I would go watch plays and I'd be watching actors and I'm like, yeah, this is cool, but I wish this actor would have tried this. If I were doing it, I would have done this. And it was the same thing even for radio. Growing up, I loved radio. Which is strange. I loved radio but I never thought I'd be a radio presenter. That was the furthest thing from my mind, but I do remember listening to Metro FM. That's the one Mudoni Buika was in. Yeah. Yes. And I remember listening to her and I was like, I like her style. If I were doing a radio show, I'd probably talk like this and I used to actually record so you would record songs on tapes, right? For mm. those who don't know what a cassette tape is, please google it. Um so we record them on tapes and then when I'm I'm listening to the songs because it's one song next song I'd play the song then I put pause and I'm like you're tuning to Radio Nick okay I never called it Radio Nick that is a lie <laughs> uh, it was my other government name which I'm not going to share yeah. um and then you know I just pretend like I'm presenting stuff for me it was just harmless fun but then I was 10 years old when I did that I got into radio when I was 21 and then I literally saw it I was like wait This is literally what you are you are literally planting seeds and practicing for this without even realizing. It just looked like harmless fun. Even when I'd watch movies at home, I'd watch them and I I love watching movies by myself. I hate watching movies with people. But that's because concentration things. And I'd watch stuff and I'd also be like I would be like okay, I can see myself playing this role. How would you say it? like I can there are movies I can play and speak with the actors like word for word uh, okay they're not that many they're probably like five or six but it's it's just that thing for when i see something i know i can do suddenly every part of me is just like you have to do it you have to sh- prove it to yourself not to anyone else mm-hmm. i just i just want to prove it to myself and that has been strongly reinforced ever since i discovered Kanye West because ah. i've just been like ah, finally someone who gets it and by gets it i mean someone who knows we all i always tell actors you don't don't wait to be told you're good okay the fact that you are already working as an actor means that you, you you're not bad yeah yeah so let's all start this thing from this platform of okay we're good now can we get better That's, can, we, can we be great Mm. can we be great mm. right yeah. and i mean yeah. and but you know that also scares me sometimes it scares me because i feel like when you start going on the pursuit for greatness it it sort of takes away some things from you and also makes you kind of a it gives you this ruthlessness which might not be necessary 
I mean, if you want to be the best rapper, for example, um, if you want to be the best rapper, you would have to have like crazy bravado. It's It goes beyond your skills, your lyrical skills. Jay-Z can rap well, um, so can um, so can Lupe Fiasco, for example. Kid Cudi. Kid Cudi, right? Ah, I can't wait to do a movie playing his brother. It's gonna happen. Ah, Pause. you look too alive. You looked too alive. <laughs> well, I was gonna ask yes. you that. Were they, were they, uh, yeah, have you been told that before? All the time, okay. especially when I was at Homeboys. Okay. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. and this, his music is dope too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, so the thing was like, you see like Jay-Z in every song, he will always talk about how dope he is. There's that word again. Um, he talk about how great he is. Lupe Fiasco, who can also rap very well, will just talk about things. And then at the end of the day, someone will ask you, who's the best rapper? Jay-Z. Why? Because, you know, he comes through with the skills. And I'm like, well, it's because he keeps on telling you that he's amazing. And the more someone tells you something, whether you choose to believe it or not, it'll stick in your head. Mm-hmm. And then when someone mentions, that's why whenever they say, like for films and people say, what are some of the classic movies? Everyone always runs and says Casablanca. I know so many people who have never watched that movie. It's not a bad movie. It's average. But everyone be like, yo, Casablanca. Um, what other movie do people like saying? is Shushank like, Redemption. That's a good one. But even people who've not watched it. Yes, exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. Like books, especially books, because I am guilty of this. I hardly read books. But you know, when someone would be like, so tell me about a cool book you read. And I'd always, I always had two go-to books. <laughs> one is Wuthering Heights because I did it in school. The other was uh, Jen Ayer. Is it Jen Ayer, Jen Ayre? Probably Jen Ayer. Ayre would be someone right. from Jamaica. Right. Uh, what's the title of the book? Jen, oh, that's it? Yes. Oh, it's by Charlotte, Charlotte Bronte. Ah, yeah. Jen, okay. I think it's Jen Ayer. You could get away with that because I don't think it's that common of a book. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But Smart. I've actually read it. But a book that I read out of pure interest, because I love Stephen King, was uh, Needful Things. You should, everyone should read that book for one reason. It's, it shows you how greed can kill you. It's got such a great story. It's, a guy opens a shop. The shop is called Needful Things. You walk into that shop, whatever your deepest desire is, you will find it in that shop. And the girl be like, you want this? Take it. Can I pay for it? No, you want it. Take it. You take it, you go then and you'll be like, oh, but in like a week or two, I'll call you up for a favor. Is that cool? You're like, yeah, cool. Calls you up. is like, so the favor is, you know that neighbor that you always complain about? Yeah. Why don't we kill him? Actually, why don't you kill him? It's like, no, but I can't do that. Come on. I did this for you. I gave you your heart's desire. Come on. Give me my heart's Mm. desire. Yeah. I read that book when I was 17, when I was 19, and when I was 22, because I found it one day in town. I was so excited. I bought it for 200 shillings. Then I gave some girl and she never gave it back to me. <laughs> That's what they do. Yeah. That's what they do, That's right? what they do. <laughs> if it's not the hoodies, it's, it's, come on. Yeah. Return Man. things. Nick, thank you so much for going into so many tangents and answering our 44th question, which is which book do you love most? Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. we might come back to that. Yeah, and w- might as well just jump onto it, yeah? So you, you read the book at least three times, yeah? Mm-hmm. What is it, uh, like, are there particular gems that you picked from this book and you're like, this in this short statement mm-hmm. uh, resonates with me. This is something I'd like to cling on every other time I come back to it. Oh, um, I think I think the thing that really stood out for me in that book, all times I read it, was just was just the um, 
the way the way Stephen King wrote it anyway the way he wrote the the dialogues yeah. the tiny bits of dialogue in the in the book the characters were very like they really wanted that thing like you it's like you find you find that thing that you feel you think will make you complete yeah so when you are so close to it you're willing to give anything for it and so whenever i look at that i look at that in terms of like work like when i when i go for an audition that i really really want and this always happens every time i have gone for an audition for a role i really really want i can see myself playing this role i will never get it and that has happened to me six times this year Yo. I went for auditions I was like yeah I really really want this I really and I knew why I really wanted it. I really wanted it because like yeah I need money and I need a job. People are forgetting that I'm an actor. I haven't acted since 2019. Right? The first acting thing I did was last Sunday. I did one tiny scene of a, of an upcoming show. It was a dope scene. And I remember telling the director before I went on I was like dude I haven't acted in like 2 years. If I suck I'm sorry but y'all called me so <laughs> me I showed up yeah I showed up I'm gonna do my best so it was it was very bittersweet because this show that I did that tiny role I had auditioned for it for like the lead role mm. about last month no 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 it was like in July or June it was a while back and I was very crushed because I was like this role was looking for someone who can act and rap That's literally what got me my role in Sugar like after they auditioned 800 people then it was down to 3 it was down to 2 2 okay it was down to 2 me and Octopizo oh. hey. and Octopizo came hey. through like cuz I didn't know until the last audition that this character raps so it's the final audition I'm sitting there and I see it's just me and Octo I'm like but this guy's not an actor I'm like ah, I, I got this, this. Yeah. so we walk in I'm told you can just sit there so Octo You know in the scenes they'll be rapping I'm like oh okay so can you just throw something octos up on my and you drop me story I'm like oh okay <laughs> this one sijapata but at least I got number to the nine, final baby. Yeah. number nine man shout out to octo <laughs> dope dude and then because I remember it was um the producer of the show her name is Desiree and then it was uh and Lupita Lupita and and then she was just like so what about you Nick do you rap I'm like So fun fact I used to be a rapper. I was even nominated for an award but I was like um I can rap a little bit just like okay freestyle something. And that morning we were called at 8. We were told be at KNT by 8. Audition started at 11. So I remember I did a freestyle something about I hate how they stand in line and they make us wait for hours. They should have they should have something something a janitor and flowers something so i anyway i said some ish and then i just remember lupita got up and was like okay you can do this and i was like ah uh, okay you think so then i looked at octo octo was just like yeah Beside, man you do mm. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah so what did i go into this oh because of this thing that i auditioned mm. for yeah. yeah so i was i was like obviously i'm going to get it i can rap i can act but then i didn't but then i met the guy who so i played the brother to the guy who got that role mm-hmm. yeah and it made sense Um he has to be young. I am not a child anymore. <laughs> I am not I'm not even a youth. You're an adult now. I'm, I'm literally people trust me. Yeah. With with, with you you're old enough to vie for pres- presidency. Right? Yes. That's when you know. That's when you know yeah. it's serious. Yeah. yeah. So when I met him I was like, "Oh, so it was a young people thing." Okay. 
Cool. Okay. Question. Do you think that you not getting the roles where you envision yourself or you see yourself playing those characters has anything to do with you premeditating and seeing yourself in those characters and mm. nothing to do with other variables? Is it just a coincidence? I first off, I don't believe in coincidences. Okay. Um all I believe in is providence. If it if it something happens the way it happens, it's because it was supposed to happen exactly that way. Mm. If it didn't, you would have died. So um it's it's I think it's really that thing of about envisioning because I used to be especially when I was a kid I used to really try to control situations because I was always I wasn't bullied but I was I just wasn't liked I was that guy who was he's just strange so we just leave him alone so I always try to control my world as like I want this to happen and it must happen in this exact fashion and then anytime I would put that much energy into it it wouldn't happen so I don't I don't know because I I I'm a big believer in manifestation but I'm like maybe maybe I was just maybe I do it wrong maybe I approach <laughs> you, you, it from you need to talk to more gen x's right with the yes. manifestation yeah, with the manifestation yeah. but you know that stuff is real though I have I have I seen so too, yeah. I have seen people manifest their way to school mm-hmm. to jobs to even even yep. love mm. it's it's a thing and maybe that's why I feel like maybe it's my approach that might have an issue with it because when you when you want something when you approach something you desire from a need point i feel like that's that's already messing up you, you should be like approach it from um from a gratitude standpoint yes like okay i want to get this but i'm grateful that so far i have this 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 and this i was usually operating on that thing of i want this because this is going to get me here mm. and this is going to get me here i literally believed when i started acting professionally in 2005 i remember telling myself these guys have no idea i'm going to be the first kenyan to win an oscar these guys do they know do they realize who they are around but i was like then lupita got was like yeah dude you're so hot now I'm like okay fine Not humble me. myself yeah 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 okay, okay. Um, i, I want to double click on something you asked about double click is such a cliche in the corporate world but i'm going to use it double click um you, you talked about um ruthlessness mm-hmm. and how much you think you reckon it's required for you to be great mm-hmm. so my question is is there room for people who are not ruthless people um who are on let me, i'd say maybe on the left side of the spectrum more um feminine for mm-hmm. lack of a better word people who um feel more and and are more in connect with other people and are not ruthless mm-hmm. is there room for them to be great i sure as hell hope so Okay. I say I say that because I'm not a ruthless person. I'm hardly even aggressive. I don't think I am. Especially in comparison to comparison to people who do the things I do like for example on radio. Like to be and this is so sad. It's sad that in Kenya because this is not a worldwide thing. In Kenya for you to be a good male radio presenter you have to be very chauvinistic or you have to be very loud or you just have to be very reckless there's no room for oh you're a, you're you're a nice person okay good for you that will never get you to the top i i know for a fact that what contributed to me becoming a breakfast show presenter was less about my skill and more about providence because farid quit 
if Farid Kimani had never quit XFM, I'm pretty sure I would have been doing the drive show until whenever. So when that happened, it was just, okay, here is an opportunity. And even when I got into um, the X breakfast before then, because it used to be called Rude Awakening, right? Every morning for two years, I would get the same responses from everyone's like, but Nick is not rude. This show sucks nowadays. Why is this game in the morning? You should put him in the night. He's too nice. He's too chill. I'm like, I can't change who I am for the sake of a show. That's why we literally had to change the name of the show from Rude Awakening to X Breakfast. Because it was like, it's not a representation of who I am. And if you want me to keep on doing this show, then let me do it. Let, let it be a me show. And it, the first year of X Breakfast, I believe that was 20, 2012, 2013. So 2014. First year was iffy. Uh, by 2015, there were guys who are like now gravitating towards it. Yeah. By 2016, it was dope. By when did I win that best radio present? 2019. By 2019, when XFM was being shut down, there was this uh, rock award show. Oh man, shout out to these guys. It's called Heavy and the Beast. It's um, it's like um, it's a blog that celebrates rock in Kenya. All the rock acts, Nini. So they had this award show, and then the category was best rock radio presenter which basically had every presenter on Capital, capital who has ever been on the field. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone. So it was just, Capital, 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 Nick Ndada. I was like, hmm, interesting. I was like, me, I don't even have time to tell people that he vote for me. Farid Kimani is there. Uh, who Italia. Are, Italia was also on that list. So I was like, these are people who everyone knows them. So I was like, chill. Me, I wouldn't even bother. And I won that award. I was like, and then the guys now, because guys were cheering and then the organizers were like, dude, you literally made, put rock on a platform where a lot more people discovered it, a lot more people realized how cool it is. And now there's like a cult following about it, which I was like, oh, I thought I was just doing a show yeah. coming through. But it's also, it's also because of the passion I put behind it because I love rock music. Then in that case, it's not just about hoping that um, not so ruthless people can be great mm. because you exemplify um, exactly that. It's not just about hoping it can be done. It can be done. Clearly. I just feel like it's a little bit harder. It's harder, totally. It's and, harder. And, and, and you know, the like, data is out there that, um, for instance, for you to rise within corporate organizations as a CEO, there's a certain level of ruthlessness mm, um, right? and edge that is required. And, and so there's a lot of worry for people who um, want to rise to the top, but then they're also very calm, collected, nice, for lack of a better word. Mm. They, they fear that if they go back to that, then it sort of could lead to them losing their edge. Uh, but but I think stories like yours, even in the local co uh, local context, I'm sure that it's actually possible. It is. Yeah. Clearly, clearly, it, my it, And And shout out to you. It can be, it can be done, but it's it's like, because I, I, I remember when I was at, was it Homeboys? Okay, well, because Homeboys, when I was at Homeboys, it was, it was, we were all young presenters and we were all new. So I think the thing that worked best for Homeboys was, these were just a bunch of kids who loved music and loved talking on the radio. So people weren't very nitpicky on, but what kind of personality is this? And then when I went to Hot 96, I realized that, oh, people have to, they're like, what kind of presenter are you? Are you the loud kind of presenter? Are you the reactive, the combative? Are you the funny guy? And I was like, no, I'm just Nick. I was like, no, you have to be someone. And I remember doing shows with, uh, my uh, former co-host Cindy Ogana, 
Oh, Cindy Ugana has been on the podcast and she's Shout amazing. Out to Cindy. Oh, yeah. Cindy, Cindy is cool. Yeah. Man, we used to be pitched against each other like it was like okay, so then the show, you know, you have to be you have to be like this and then you have to be on this other side so you can create friction and I'm like but what if we agree on something? Like no, you're not supposed to. <laughs> and because of that, and even Cindy can tell you this, a lot of our shows were not good. We did not enjoy doing that breakfast show together. And then when I went to when I went to XFM at least I was like okay now it can just be me the coolest thing about XFM was I was given 100% creative control never happens that shit never happened to anyone in the world yeah it happened to me and I took it I ran with it and it worked out yes yes and it worked out great indeed um uh, what uh, the rock thing mm-hmm. how's that going did you drop it once uh, XFM sort of went Ooh. down under Let me tell you. Uh-huh. First of all, I found out XFM was being shut down on the week it was being shut Holy down. Shit. So that sucked. I found out on a Wednesday, or no, on a Tuesday evening and it was shut down on a Friday morning. Oh. So I don't know whether it was the abruptness, the lack of courtesy, it just it made me switch off. I remember I stopped listening to rock music and I was just like, okay, you know what? I'm done. Fine. And then I was moved to Kiss. And Kiss doesn't play rock. So I was now surrounded with so much Nigerian, Willie Paul. <laughs> and, you know, just like music that I'm not a fan of. Yeah. Nothing wrong with those artists. I just don't like I just don't like that kind of music. So I took a break from from music in general. From Yeah, cuz that's when I started listening to just I just listen to piano classics and stuff like that because I, i didn't want to hear songs with lyrics piano or i'm a piano no piano okay classics, I'm a pi- yeah. by the way imagine i literally started listening to i'm a piano two weeks ago <laughs> i heard i knew about it but it's not my jam but now it's my jam this morning i was smoking a cigarette and this lady was playing in an account like yeah i know that song <laughs> i don't i think they all sound the same yeah but um yeah i stopped i, I stopped listening to rock i I won't say I've even fully gone back to it and it's because there is something else I believe in life. I believe that things th- anything that starts has to end. And for me when XFM was shut down, truth be told, as much as I stayed on radio for another two years, I was I was like I'm done with radio. I don't need to do this anymore. Yeah. Especially because like radio was something that was never it was never a goal. I got into radio because I was taking my brother for a radio audition. And when I got the job, I remember being asked, "So, what are your goals for? What what's what do you hope to achieve as a radio presenter?" And I remember telling DJ John, "I just want to be a, a breakfast show presenter on a rock station." And this was when XFM didn't even exist. Manifesting. Exactly. And you see and that's a good one because that was that was manifesting it not from I need to be yeah. a rock radio presenter on a breakfast show no it was just like okay I'm appreciative that I have a job as a radio presenter maybe one day I can do it in the morning because I mean morning radio just always sounds like it makes sense to me because I'm a morning person yeah. and that's how it happened and yeah. I did morning radio for seven years yeah. eight years yeah Man, Nick, I love how you think and and you know, one of the things you just mentioned which is letting things stop. I came across something yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's more in relation to death which Maria will not appreciate that much, but it's it's more along the same lines which says begin at the beginning, the king said gravely. 
and go on till you come to the end then stop then stop hmm. imagine things don't have to go on forever yeah finish what i when you feel like okay i have done this thing and i've done what i wanted to do with it i can now bounce yeah it's fine yeah it's totally okay yeah um so anyone who hears your story especially how you got into radio which you just mentioned mm-hmm. um would think that this was sheer luck mm. right but then you you earlier on you talked about how when you're 10 years old mm-hmm. you'd already started even without knowing that this is what would end up happening you'd already started preparing for it exactly right so how many things in your life and and else maybe focus on radio mm-hmm. have happened out of people who think that it's sheer luck but in the background there are things that you did at whatever stage in your life to get ready for them are there other examples for me every single thing every single thing i've ever done it's all seeds were planted before mm-hmm. at a time when i wasn't planting the seeds with the intention of growing growing huge trees and stuff i was just planting seeds because okay i have these seeds let me do it good one is because i was very shy as a child extremely i couldn't speak in front of people in fact and my brothers were all like school captains so there was i always used to disappear around my family my aunties didn't even know i, I existed till i was 12 like that's crazy <laughs> i was like you're my mother's sister <laughs> my mom never told you about like no i just forgot because i was very shy and you upstairs playing with soap with a bar of soap okay. a piece of soap okay. you know i realize that when you say that it sounds so <laughs> gross i the soap would we wouldn't even touch okay now oh, you're making good. it worse oh, good. i would place it on the <laughs> side we'll come would, to the story we'll come to the story so like it was i used to talk like i would i would speak very eloquently when i'm in a room by myself mm-hmm. the moment people walk in i just get all mm. Mm. and then when i got into radio one day someone tells me have you thought about emceeing i was like oof speaking in front of crowds They're like but you're an actor i'm like nope that's different those are lines that's a character that's not me it's like you're asking me as nick to stand in front of hundreds of people and do what hype them up Yeah, because my first MCing gigs were those um the concerts, Rusha Mikono Ju, Sepetuka. Are you Sepetuka? Man, I loved hey, that time. gig. Mm-hmm. I really emceed the hell out of that gig. So, and Juakali's album launch as well. Mm-hmm. Hey, that was a good one. Um so like when I got on stage because I was terrified, terrified until the moment because I'm holding the mic, I'm like the DJ is like I'm going to cut this song in 30 seconds. As soon as I cut it, jump in a psych and I'm like Okay, okay, okay. 30 those 30 seconds were the longest 30 seconds. Like the ones you feel that ca sweat yeah. all the way trickle down mm-hmm. and I'm just like, okay, okay, okay. Then I just told myself, dude, let's pretend. Let's just pretend that you can't see these people and you're talking to your bow soap as a kid. I was like, okay. And so I it's like as a part of my mind switched on and whenever I do public speaking, it always goes back to that and it works so well it works well for me because because i remember the space i was in mentally when i was talking to my bar of soap in the house i would be very i'd be like okay i need to keep you engaged i need to make sure that you are with me in whatever nonsense i'm telling you and i did that in emceeing gigs i did that in presentations in school i became really good at it like mm. really really good so 
It's you planted the seeds. Planted the seeds. Same thing with acting, same thing with radio, same thing with ri- even writing. Mm-hmm. Man, when I was in, it was Form 2. Form 2, we had this, uh, the, t- the teachers who came from college teaching uh, practice. Teaching practice, yeah, yes. TPs. TPs, yes. Mr. Oscar was his name. Akid Lewis. <laughs> Could have told us his last name. But anyway, Mr. Oscar came to teach us <laughs> English in Form 2 first term. First term, yes, first term. And then for the exam, he told us, I want you guys to write a script. What, look at him like, what is a script? It's like, you see the way you watch movies, the things those people say, I want you to write that. And everyone hated that, like everyone failed. People got like six out of 20, eight out of 20. The best student I remember, Tony Maseki got 13 out of 20 because he was funny. Tony was very hilarious. Um, I mean, I got an eight, by the way, just so you know. Mm-hmm. I got an eight out of 20. Then I told him, Mr. Oscar, what was wrong with this script? Then he's like, mm, it's not a bad script. It's just, it sounds like a TV show. And I'm like, but you just told us to write a script. You never specified. What did you want? A play? Did you want a movie? Then he's like, oh, so you know the difference? I'm like, yeah, I know the difference. It's like, then you should have just, then just work at it. Now that you know the difference in scripts, work on that. And I was like, whatever. I didn't write anything for like five years. But then I started just now writing short shots. I used to write like scenes. Mm-hmm. That's how I started writing plays. Like I just write like one scene, maybe six pages and throw it away. And then one day I wrote, okay, it was it one day? It was nine months. It took me nine months to write that script. It's a play called Miles. My first ever play. So good. So good. So dope. Ah, it was so dope. It was so dope. We got we we got USIU students. USIU students to come to USIU on a Friday. Friday afternoon to watch a play. There are no classes on Friday. No one has any business being in USIU on Friday. They packed the entire auditorium. Guys watch the play. They're like, oh, this is so cool. You should write you should write stuff more. And I was like, hmm, maybe I should. And then I kept writing and now look. Hey, award winning. Yeah. Keep going, bro. Keep going, bro. So we sort of have a place where the writing started. Mm -hmm. The radio as well. What about the the getting into characters? The acting itself. Mm -hmm. Do you have moments in your childhood that you remember and think, oh yeah, I went for this. I did this. Are there particular characters you remember playing? And how early was this? Mm, I always remembered playing the popular kid, because I always wanted to be popular. I remember playing the smart kid, because in comparison to my brothers, I am very silly. I'm not bright at all. My brothers have... Uh, who else? Who else? Oh, and also, just, you know, the the courageous person, the mm. person who can, who will save us, who will do this. Like, I would, I would try and envision myself and try to just like if i were if i were like a young clark kent what would i do how would i be acting so it it was also like kidogo seeds planted in the mm. sense of i would just i would try to remove myself and see myself being someone else yeah which at that time did not i did i, did, I never um, crossed my mind that that's part of the process of getting a character until when i started acting um, at Phoenix, and then like Ian Boga would ask me like, okay, so what's your character and why why is he doing this? What are your choices for this? And I was like, oh, 
Now I get it. All you have to do is remove yourself and then see this character and now see how they see how they do their everyday things, see how they move, see how they dress, see how they walk, see how they talk. And in the process of doing that, you're literally creating, you're literally creating a character. Yeah. It's it almost seems like you're not because you have lines from the script that you think are guiding you but those are just lines they they have very little most times maybe for shakespeare it's different it's debatable but most times the lines are just a guide they don't really they don't really give you an insight into a character that's why you can watch the same play being done by two different actors and feel two completely different things it's because it wasn't the lines the lines are just lines mm. it's it's about how that character is taking in delivering those lines and reacting to other people around them i i, I guess it also has a lot to do with your i don't want to say state of mind i just want i believe how you perceive the world as a as as you now as the actor before you become the character how you perceive the world will help you be able to create a character that isn't outlandish not too far fetched not relatable Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what what about the first time you performed in front of, in front of an audience? It was bad. Yeah, tell us about it. It was bad for yeah. me. Uh-huh. It was bad for me because I was in Are you talking about like high school or like professional theater? In high school. Okay. The earlier the memory the better. Ah yeah. So, <laughs> ah, the year was 2001. I was playing a prop. Not really a prop. I had a line. I had a line. I think I was a I wasn't a tree. I was something that would move to the side and move to so, the side. Got it. So not a rugby prop. No. Oh, <laughs> I, no. Make, I make very bad oh, rugby jokes. Yes, rugby. By yeah. the way, mm. hate the sport. No. <laughs> I, Keep going. I, it's all right. I hate all sports. Um but I love Cristiano Ronaldo. Um um so the role I was playing, I didn't get to play it. Some guy in from four who had a role with actual lines and stuff dropped out because he wanted to focus on his studies. Quentin, dude knew he was still going to get an A, but anyway, he was like, that kid in Form 2 called Nick is tall enough to play this role. Cool. So me, I'm like, finally, I get a chance to to try this acting thing out, which, by the way, I the only way I got into drama club, in fact, was because I told my brother, I really think I can become an actor. My brother's like, dude, no. you're the shyest person we know. Never going to happen. So I literally just walked into that place just to piss him off. Nikapatiwa role. And I got the lines. I got the lines. I was able to craft a very good character because I was playing the mayor of a town and I remember my first lines were oh heavens this is absurd my son my own blood uh ripped from my heart like a blah 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 and I must get revenge on them. So the lines were fine, the character was fine, but my voice was not. So this is how I sound now. When I was 16, I sounded like this only a lot raspier. In fact, it was so raspy because my name is Nick, but everyone in drama club used to call me Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Because I went on stage and literally this was what Imagine this this there's this guy called Jason. So Jason was like the best actor from our high school. He transferred to another school. So the year I joined, I couldn't act with him and I was like, "Ah, oh, man, I saw him when I was in form 1. I really wish I could have seen him." So he came to watch our play the day before. We go to Zonals to perform and I'm like, "Hey, Jason is here. Ah, uh, Achaningare man. 
lines, everything was fine. Then he was just like, at the end of the play, he's like, Aki, there is one person I don't understand in this play. What's your name? I'm like, Nick. It's like, Nick, you have a terrible voice. You can't project. What are you doing? And then he turned, he looked at the chairman. He's like, why did you give this guy a role? Have you ever acted before? I'm like, um, no. I'm like, you see, this guy is going to be the reason you this play will not, it's not going to go far. Pastor this Donald. is the night before, the next day we're performing. Crushed. My spirit was crushed. I went, I think I cried even in the house. Then the next day I'm like, ah, now we have to do this play. I don't want to. I went on stage and I remembered, I was I was telling myself consciously, watch your voice, watch your voice. Don't, don't come out raspy. And then I just said, oh. And then I remember it broke when I said, heavens. Then I was just like, ah, fine, whatever. Let's just do this thing to Malise. Did it, finished. No, yeah, because it was... It was the second day. It was the last day of the of our zone performances, but this, it had started the day before. So after our play, which was like at about 6 p.m., they were doing awards like 7.30 and we're sitting there. Then suddenly they're just like, ah, oh, best costume. Oh, highway secondary. Blah. Highway, highway. I'm like, hey, at least, at least to Machine Kitu. That's cool. They're like, best actor, Nicola Sutino. I'm like, wait. Then my guys are like, yo, dude, that's you. And I'm like, what? And then this was the coolest part. Cause now you have to go to the front mm -hmm. to pick up your certificate. And who is seated right there when I'm grabbing it? Jason. Jason. <laughs> and he looks at me and then he looks away. Never spoke, never seen him again. But I was yeah. like, in your face, Jason. <laughs> A lot of lessons there. Mm. But one that I recall correctly is now we know what your radio station was named when you were a kid. Uh, mm, close, <laughs> close, close, uh, close. So it's not Radio Tieno? No, not Radio Tieno. Okay, okay. It's another one. Yo, if you find it out, mm. uh, that only means you're sending me an pesa. <laughs> that is beautiful. beautiful. Abu will send you one shilling uh, after this, and Maria will send you one shilling after this. What about uh, professionally? Now, mm. this, this, what you've just mentioned, uh, are more or less the beginnings. Yeah. Or at least the first sort of visual signs of the beginnings, because yes. clearly you started this slightly earlier manifesting and all mm -hmm. professionally how do we get there and how does it take off from there professionally was i uh, thanks to a lot of great things first of all shout outs to my parents because when i told them when i finished kcse also <laughs> it's because they didn't think i was going to pass anyway <laughs> i told my parents may i want to be an actor my dad was like okay that uh, makes sense you, you you're good at it my mom was like yo yes you are so the plan was i was to go to this university in uh, in new jersey so the plan was go to go there but not do acting go there do another degree but in your free time you go source acting work because at least acting pays better in the states and then i had a radical idea and i told my parents how about what if before we do that whole going to the States thing. Give me one year. May I believe I can go to the theater and I can get a role? Because I'm really good. I won Best Actor from two, from three, from four. I'm like, I must be dope. Ah, I must be good. Now I'm too self-conscious <laughs> about dope. Um, This was November 2000. And imagine I finished KCSE on a Monday. On a Monday in November, in the afternoon, the French oral exam was in the afternoon. <laughs> French oral. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful 
so the next day asubuhi na mapema i went to the national theater with my certificates that's the day i found out that apparently the certificates don't mean anything because i went to the auditions i thought like you know that gives you an edge like hey i came through with the trophies everything they told me no just put them there <laughs> thanks but try these lines i did them the girl was just like nah i was like fine it's fine i'll do the next one and i auditioned from november 2003 to march 2005 and i never got a single role i auditioned every month i literally joined alliance française lied to my parents that my french was terrible just so that i could be there because there's a theater there and i cannot attend auditions and it never happened for about 16 months so after that like by 2005 my parents were like dude clearly this acting plan of yours for kenya it's not working and by then i don't know my dad changed his mind about the whole going to states for an undergrad he was like i think it makes more sense if you go to do your postgraduate so do undergrad here in kenya i'm like fine whatever me i'll do anything that can get me into acting. So that's how I ended up in uni. I signed up for journalism because I was like, ah, I'll, I'll work like a news anchor or a reporter, then I'll schmooze with producers and be like I can act and then it'll happen. But on the day I was going to to Nini to USIU to, to drop my okay. application form, I passed by Alliance and I see this poster, auditions, Shakespeare. I'm like, ah, oh, I've always wanted to act in Shakespeare. But I'm like, dude, 15 months of being rejected by all these theater groups, you think you'll hack a Shakespeare. And then I told myself, let me just do it. As in just for me, for my sake, at least Niseme, I I tried to do Shakespeare. I went in did the audition, forgot about it. A week later, I was called, did that uh got into that play, The Merchant of Venice. Hmm. We did that play at the National Theater in 2005 May. That same May, there was an actor Makbul Mohamed who was doing a play in Phoenix in June and he saw me and told the director who was the same director for the Shakespeare play let's get this guy into our play because i think he's pretty dope he's a kona kitu and then i went and did that play in Phoenix in June which was watched by another director Anthony Kinuthia who was doing a play in August and told me dude are you free in August come do this play and in between that all girls together another play was happening and an actor dropped out and they asked who do you know and they're like this is this new kid i saw in this play last month did you watch him call him up and that is literally how i never auditioned for another play until i think 2012 no 2015 mm. when we went to uganda yeah and it was it was but i know why This is why I know I know why because I remember how crushed I always felt after going for an audition especially like after the fifth or sixth time of of being rejected kunavile sometimes you kind of you can even feel it mm. in the when in the panel you can just be like okay um they're not feeling me or you're also just you've got your own insecurities working against you yeah so you end up bombing and you just know that okay i know i've yeah. bombed so when i got an opportunity to be on stage i remember i told myself i will do this play so well that someone will see me and get me another job in the theater and that's literally how my theater acting career took off yeah. it was always i saw you in this i liked it do you think you have time to do this 
Hey bro. Yeah. Hey bro, that's a powerful journey, man. Yeah, yeah. Um wh- what are you telling yourself in this 15 months of rejection after rejection after rejection? What keeps you saying, okay, let's try it again? 10 times rejected, let's mm-hmm. try it an 11th time. Let's try the 11th time. Yeah. It was believe it or not, I really just I just didn't want to give up because I knew that I was I knew that I was dope. <laughs> yeah. Oh good. I wish you could take shots every time I said no. <laughs> We get drunk. Yeah. Like I was like I knew I knew I had something. Yeah. And I was like I I don't understand why these people cannot see it. So several times I wanted to just throw in the towel and be like Sao, let's just do something else. But because I remember a couple of actors we started with we do the the auditioning things with a pal of mine called Sami, a guy called Crispin. They both never got back to acting like They're like, okay, you know what? Me I don't I can't deal with this rejection. Luckily for me, me misconapend on my dame when I was young. So I was like, I'm used to rejection. <laughs> Imagine it's fine. I will feel bad. I would like I would feel so terrible. But it's not the end. But I just be like, yeah. maybe next time you'll yeah. get it. Maybe. Yeah. That's that's literally all that kept me going. I was like there's that possibility. Like you can't you couldn't have won those awards in high school for nothing like yeah. those everyone else couldn't have been that trash that even me with my poor acting i was getting recognized for mm. it so mm. yeah mm. ahead of jason ahead of jason hey. mm. deep <laughs> self jason wafubwa deep self belief yeah yeah hey. and 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 just to spend a bit more time on on your theater career how mm. how how does the first play go the shakespeare uh, play which role are you playing i played graciano graciano mm. okay. um how was that experience because this is the first time now you're doing mm. um you're doing theater outside of high outside school. outside of high school yeah. right so this it was i have i have struggled for over 15, 15 months, months to get a gig The first thing I remember doing when I got that script I told myself have all these lines before the first day of rehearsals we were given the script on a Saturday afternoon rehearsals began on Wednesday afternoon by that Wednesday I had all the lines I even remember I was being told I was like where's your script we need to block him like no 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 I don't I need the this. script yeah. it's like no dude you need a script because you need to be blocked you need to know your movements pick up your damn script so I grabbed it and I was like okay I'm writing directions mm. but each day when i would and i and i try i still try to do this each day of rehearsals i would try as much as possible to treat it like this is this is a show this is this is what is being presented and i'd see i'd see like actors all like yeah, yeah you know the way you can like during a rehearsal some wouldn't take it that seriously you know you just skim over what you're like ah no no i'll i'll get it don't worry secure show I'll, i'll have it but i was <laughs> never that guy i was like each day put in as much as possible and it just started people started noticing it like all the other actors were like hey dude you have some kind of crazy discipline for this thing and i was like yeah because i have really waited for so long to get this opportunity and then i was acting with superstars i was with tony njuguna he played uh basanio gilbert lucalia was shylock mm. uh who else blew my mind when i first saw him Kalika Chalika Dogo. Ah, I forget his name, but was it Kiarie? No, 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 not not Kiarie. Ah, he's a nani. He's a msewa KNT sana. He played Lancelot. 
Lancelot, yes. Yeah. Who was mm, a small guy, a small guy. <laughs> Bussy. Bussy. Bussy is so cool though. Right? Yeah. Shout out to him. Yeah. So like I was it was just I wanted to put my best foot forward and because I believe personally it was that that made um Macbul notice me in that show. It's what made Anthony Kinuthia notice me in the other play and all those referrals. Yeah. 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 Y- you've been quoted somewhere or rather you said somewhere that uh, one of the things you firmly believe is that we do not rehearse enough um, for um, stage shows. We don't. We don't, right? Uh, so We do not. Yeah, the question is how do you organize your own productions? That's one. And, and obviously there is a measurable difference between you say to quote you between rehearsing for um for three four weeks versus mm-hmm. uh you know a month and a half or two months right um have you been in productions where you've seen that happen where Brilliant. things would have been much much better had you just maybe taken um, a little yeah, longer taken a little longer to rehearse or hmm. um, and, and you could take that question to yeah. whatever direction so um because oh my friend nice and i have so many arguments about this and to a certain degree she's so right it's not really it's not really about the time i'm not saying that if you're doing a play rehearse two months if you do under two months you guys are wasting Shit. time yeah. it's not that it's it's about how much work you put in with those hours here's here's good examples because i did these plays at the same time when we were doing what happens in the night i was also doing greece so greece we would rehearse we would rehearse Greece every day um the acting scenes we'd rehearse them for like an hour but then we would spend like 3 hours doing dance routines which everyone was like ah oh, was so tired was so tired and I was like and we rehearsed Greece for 2 months and i think what happens in the night we also did for like 2 months about and when i watched cuz like now watching from when i'm not on stage and i would look at the two productions i could see such a huge contrast and i'm like it's because when we were doing what happens in the night the rehearsals were very involving and it was and everyone was everyone was very intentional like okay we're doing this scene today these are the things we're supposed to achieve in it so let's 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 do our best when it came to greece it was more of let's just learn how to dance these moves because because truthfully yeah when it comes to musicals a lot of the times you'll just be dancing and running up and down you have to get that shit in check so there wasn't much emphasis that was given to weirdly enough singing and acting and so when we did grease the coolest thing everyone i remember everyone kept saying the set was so beautiful <laughs> the costumes were so dope i'm like what about the acting ah, mm. what about the singing some mm. songs were cool others eh, even that one you did nick cuz hey even me my song i did not do it the justice it deserved but i did still do a good job it's my favorite song from greece but then it was about it's about the intentionality of rehearsals me when i sit with guys and rehearsals and you know there's just this whole very laid back vibe it kind of makes me feel uneasy because i'm like okay if we carry on like this for too long we will get used to it like the way you can do a scene 
you can rehearse a scene and it's not it's not there and then guys are like ah no but we'll do it like, we'll pick it up tomorrow i'm like let's just try it one more time just one more people are not that flexible to it and then also you know people are busy i understand that we have a, an an issue in kenya and the issue is we not every actor can devote all their time to this thing if you have to like i have so much respect for june gashui because i don't understand how she can be a lawyer all day still write songs still go host the great kenyan bake off still act still write stuff and still be a kickass friend like she is the person i want to be uh not when i grow up i think i i think i literally just hope one day i will wake up and i'll be june gashui mm-hmm. because ah uh, <laughs> yeah it, it must be great working with her because that rubs off on you slightly maybe yes okay. i sure as hell hope so the first time i watched junga shui was uh, when she did shelly valentine like years ago at phoenix years ago and i and i remember telling uh the one of the directors and milo and i was like who's that lady i'm like that's june i'm like my god she's so pretty and she's such a good actor I'm like yeah she is i'm like one day i hope to act with her and then we got to the auditions for the bake off and then i told her just before we did our audition together i told her oh by the way i've lucky been in love with you for like 10 years i think you're dope and i know you're going to get this job i want to get it just so that i can work with you but no pressure let's go <laughs> and we did it and manifestation bro manifestation oh by the way fun story about manifestation and tv hosting because i love i love amazing, i love amazing game se- shows amazing segue thanks <laughs> right i love i love game shows mm-hmm. like that's my jam and i've as a kid i was like mm, i can't i'd love to do this one of my favorite shows well it wasn't on tv kwani uh, where was i watching it do you remember a show called well there's a kenyan version like who's smarter now but there's this american show called the price is right which is just like people guessing the prices of things but he was the host who that, that guy just had this thing and i was like ah man i would love to host a show i don't want to host a music show i always used to say if i ever host something on tv i don't want it to be a music show i don't want to sit down with an artist and ask him about about their album i'd like something that's more just more for lack of a better description more human and that's why the great kenyan bake off for me was so cool yeah and even what's good africa it's not really about musicians it's about it's about their personalities and what cuz not all the guests are musicians like usually 40% if not 30% of the guests are musicians so mm-hmm. it's just interviewing people finding out about who they are how they do their thing and those are the kind of tv shows i wanted to host so i'm glad that i got to do that i just never wanted to do something like the trend i i remember telling myself not a show like the trend mm-hmm. not a show like turn up shout outs to amina You know I trained. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah there is that. Ha and uh, Rachel. Manoli Mo Rachel. Yes. Hero. Yeah. Mm. Mike Mondo. Bro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great great people. Great people they. Nick, mm. you've been doing this for so long. You're actually providing us our own segues because <laughs> the next part was, we were going to uh, get into mm. was your radio career. Mm. Um tell us about uh, so we know how you got into it. Mm. You taken your brother. Um, yeah. this is Jeremy. Jeremy, yeah. May he rest in peace. Dopest guy, yeah. dopest guy, and yeah. then maybe we, we'll touch a bit on that. You take an info, and, and so your your plan was to you you did not plan in any mm. way to audition. 
No. No, okay. I was there to give him moral support. Despite what you tried to do 11 years years before prior mm. by recording yourself? Yes. Yeah, okay. And even on that year, mm. on the on that on the year for Homeboys, mm. uh no it wasn't that year. Yes, it was 2000 no, Homeboys was 2007, 2006 I auditioned for Big Brother Africa. Uh, oh, that would have been cool to watch Pause. you in that. No, we actually discussed this. <laughs> if you don't recall, yeah. at some mm. point when when Big Brother was big and I don't know who the Kenyan representative was. Yeah. But I remember it was the Yamunya and uh, the twins. The twins. Yeah. Yeah. We discussed I don't know. I don't remember, don't remember this, this convo. We said that we actually think we agree that Nick could have been one of the best representatives of yeah. Big Brother. Yeah. On the on the year I auditioned, the guy who was picked was some dude called Jeff Anthony. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who real he didn't last a second in there. Yeah. Mimi atanikombie. I I that thing gave me stress because the Big Brother audition was like three weeks. First week we were like 20 30 people. Second week we were down to like eight and then the third week we were four. I remember it was me, Jeff Anthony, a chick called Amina and and another tall lady. Another I just can't remember her name. I just remember she was extremely tall. And then I remember sitting there and and I asked one of those producers like okay I've watched Big Brother because this was the first Big Brother Africa. So I was like I've watched Big Brother South Africa. So it's just you know it's just being yourself and I'm like it's like yeah but I'm like but these guys I can tell these people are not this is not how they are because yeah. you know when we have like breaks because you know those auditions were all day. Like we get there we used to get to this hotel uh I think it was Heron Hotel at 8 a.m. and were there till 6 p.m. like it was fully closed nini your phone was taken and sometimes when we talk i'm like i can now see the real you mm. but i felt like me i wasn't pretending anytime like from then when the cameras were on us and when we were just like chilling i was just always just being myself and i remember that was the first time in my life i was like my weirdness has finally paid off And then they said we'll call you next week and I was like yeah and then they never called and then I saw <laughs> Big Brother then I remember seeing Jeff and I remember screaming to the TV you picked fucking Jeff <laughs> and my mom was just like what I'm like you don't understand you don't understand this dude guy was there for three, three weeks yeah yeah, I was yeah so disappointed yeah, yeah. so yeah why did I go into that um you this is was audition audition in yeah. 2006 before homeboys the next before year. homeboys yeah so the, the next year yeah so I went the reason why I took my brother was because when I went for the for the big brother auditions and I told my bro like because my brother never done an audition he wasn't an actor so he doesn't know about the process so I told him auditions are very can be very unnerving because you'll stand in a queue with people you don't know and then you have to pretend like oh i'm not nervous and then you have to start small talk with someone who you probably don't even care about so my going with my bro was let me be there at least you'll have someone you can talk to who genuinely can calm your nerves and then when it's time for you to go in to do your thing do your thing mm-hmm. so yeah that's how that's how i ended up at that audition and and this, you've told the story many times but just you can you could skim over it mm-hmm. about how you ended up going for the audition yourself it was because now after standing outside with my brother in the heat it was such a hot saturday morning where was this baricha road baricha road okay mm, mm. where homeboys used original to original hbr original mm. yes so three hours we were there at 7:30 and then we finally got into the building at about 10:15 10:20 20 there so out there in the heat and my bros walking in they're giving you numbers like okay take a number and then go into the studio so my brother goes in i'm like 
cool beans, kick ass. I turn around and then this chick stopped me like, where are you going? And I was like, I, I was bringing him to, you know, audition. It's me, I'm, I'm just I'm just here for f- support. And then she was like, yo, dude, see, you've been out there. I, I saw you guys are amongst the first people. You've been standing outside in the sun for three hours. This audition is 30 seconds and the room has AC. What do you have to lose, really? And I was like, well, when you put it like that, I guess <laughs> it's 30 seconds. And then when I went in and now this is what, again, planting seeds, because they, would, they wouldn't tell people what, to, what the audition is about. We just knew it's a radio station and they're looking for presenters. So if I, in fact, in my mind, I thought we'd be told, tell us a bit about yourself. What do you do? What do you like? What do you like? Blah, blah, blah. But instead they were just like, okay, pretend a song has just ended. Any song of your, what song do you like? I remember they asked me, I told them, uh, at that time it was a huge Britney Spears. I still am, by the way, free Britney. And I was like, uh, I love Britney Spears. I was like, really? I'm like, yeah. Okay, imagine a Britney Spears song has just ended. Go, you have 30 seconds. And I remember at that time there was a Britney Spears scandal about her drive, drunk driving. And then I just, because I came out of that song and I was just like, ah, Britney doesn't, she just, because the song, she has a song called You Drive Me Crazy. And I think I said something to the lines of, that's Britney Spears with You Drive Me Crazy on Homeboys Radio. And not only does she drive us crazy, she drives herself into ditches. Did you hear what, la, 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 la. And then I finished and the guy was like, do you follow a lot of pop culture? And I was like, yes, but I also really love Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, cool. And then Saturday, Sunday, Monday afternoon, I was called and told, come through. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, and, and 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 how, so Homeboys was, is one of those radio stations. It was very new. Yes. And and you had a very different energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you very clearly understood who your target audience was yes and you cater to them very well including ourselves uh, we understood the brief yeah yeah <laughs> very well. yeah, yeah very you understood well. the brief. Um, um how was that first six months like especially because it's your first time on radio is it what does that involve is it a lot of training no um, the training bit was okay i feel training does it ever really end let's say training never ends but the training that will put you comfortably in front of a mic and and let them trust you to do your thing, that takes like one month. We did that for just a month. But the first six months was crazy because Homeboys was launched in November 2007. In December 2007, post-election violence happened. And Homeboys was in Barichi Road. My parents' house was in Langata. All the other presenters, with the exception of who who else was there? I miss Kumbuki, anyone else. It was just me. Everyone else lived on the other side of town. And because of skirmishes, they, they were just like, hey, I'm not coming to Jobo. So me, I was like, ah, may, I can literally walk from Langata to, to Barichi Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was literally a 25-minute walk. So I told you, John, I can come through. So I was like, cool, please do. Take one for the team. The station is new. We need, we need to be seen and heard. So within the first six months, I was... I went from my original show was Saturday night, 10 to midnight, a DJ show called The Source with DJ KD. Mm. DJ KD, that's an OG. Ah, OG, man. <laughs> KD, where you at, man? I miss that dude. So I went from doing that show on Saturdays to doing, I remember one week I did breakfast. Uh, I was told you can take a break from 10. 
no, the breakfast show used to be seven to eleven, and uh, then take a break and then wait until four and then do the drive show until like six and then go home. So I found myself like deep end. I had to really, really get this shit really, really quickly. At the same time, I'm just like, what's going on in this country? And then things started stabilizing. And then craziest thing happened. Within three months of working there, I went from, I got, I got like a hundred percent. I got a hundred percent pay hike. Mm. Cause they were like, dude, you're actually really good. Thanks for holding it down. And then they were like, we need to put you on a, on a weekly, on a daily, daily. thing. Mm. Not this once a week show. I was like, cool. how at your boy? So they were like, there is this segment that was open. It was literally open because it was G money in the morning. Then it was my block from 11 to one from one to four o'clock. Oh, there was nothing. nothing. It was just music. Hey. So I sat and I literally wrote a proposal for a show. And I was like, it's going to be a show. We can do interviews with people, musicians, Nini. We can do crazy segments. I can talk about this. I can talk about that. And then I was like, what would you call the show? Then I was like, it's from one to four in the afternoon. Why don't I just call it one to four? Does that sound <laughs> weird? And Dijon was like, no, that's actually very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and But also I must give credit to a lady who passed. Uh, her name was Rina Shivisi. Because Rina... At the same time, Providence, at the same time, Rina was also trying to get a show on Homeboys because she was reading the news. But she always wanted to be a presenter. So she also came up with a draft for a show for one to four. That's that same time. Same slot, yeah. But they were like, ah, this is also kind of cool, but only one. We don't want two host type of situation. So that's how Rina ended up sticking with the news. But I remember she was like, yeah, some of the concepts were also kind of like mine. I was like, great minds, man. This is, <laughs> yeah. this is just how we roll. And when I got into 124, still, this is the same six months. Do you know, <laughs> I'll never forget this shit. I was called up by Caroline Mutoko and she's like, hi, Whoa. I listened to you. I think you've got to, I think you've got something. Would you like to work at KISS? I told her, girl, I've been working on radio for like six months. I don't know shit about this industry. Like, no, you learn on the job. I was like, no. So I turned it down. They actually offered me a job there four times before I agreed. Yo. I I refused in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011. So the the, the first time it's because, well, I I feel I'm not ready just yet. Mm -hmm. So why the other no's? The other no's. I just didn't like Kiss. Okay. I was like, "Mm, I don't, I don't, I don't. It's Mm. and if I don't resonate with something, I'm not the kind of person to to force things. I I I really, I I I literally work tirelessly to stop trying to force things because growing up, I used to do that a lot, and I did that because I was always by myself, which is also coincidental, not coincidental. That's providence Providence. right there, because ninety. 8% 8% of the radio shows I've, I hosted as a radio presenter, I was always alone. I only co-hosted with Cindy, Cindy and Jazz. Do you remember Jazz? Christabel yeah. Mystery. Yeah. Such a good host. Yeah. But other than that, it's just always just been me doing me. And then when I went to kiss with Linda. Yeah. 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 L- l- let's talk about that now that we are there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you finally say yes to kiss. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I did not say yes to kiss. I said yes to XFM. To XFM. Mm. Then uh, they're the same guys who mm. bought. Same company. Yeah. Same company. Radio yeah. Africa. Yes. Radio Africa. So you ended up working at kiss. And so yes. far, 
this is uh, your last uh, radio gig yes. so far mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Uh, so why the exit Cause why the then, exit from yeah. radio mm-hmm. yeah because um it's everything that has a beginning has an end mm. ah yes mm. we mentioned that so had it not been kiss had it been xfm would you have still have, felt the same no if it if xfm had not been shut down mm. and i and i say this with 100% confidence i would still be there i would prob- cuz i literally told myself i can see myself hosting a morning rock show for 20 years being like a rick dees mm. that i saw but i only saw it with xfm because of the rock music and because of the kind of show i was allowed to do because the moment i went into kiss zero creative control i, di- I didn't even have control of the over the music played on the show it's all pre-programmed by someone else all we literally used to do is sit and talk for one minute because you get one minute links every 15 minutes like like this that job was i also in my mind it was a little too i don't want to say easy it was just not challenging because when i was on xfm i used to do a radio link which is a radio link is basically when you speak in between the songs i used to do that after every song and that was a four hour show from 6 a.m to 10 10 a.m i used to talk my ass out and i used to do that show standing up so i was tired as hell when 1001 would fika i'm like yo okay i can feel my i have engaged my mind in nini when i was at kiss like we would sit there play like six songs back to back and then i'm like okay now we talk oh no right now we have cuz also advertising so i'm like okay now you have to sell this product i'm like okay sell the product move on play songs for like another 10 minutes it it was just like it wasn't fun mm, i was yeah. like so if it's not fun as robbie williams said if it don't feel good what are you doing it for yeah yeah L- let's zoom out another cliche statement but i'll still go ahead and use it let's zoom you out. like using computer references <laughs> like it's a, I, I, i i am in computing ah ah okay mm. okay yeah um, so that comes more naturally to me almost uh, but let, let's sort of zoom out and is terminator one of your favorite movies <laughs> <laughs> especially judgment day yes yes yeah one of my favorite but we'll get to that skynet um, you you've worked from day one mm. you've worked with a lot of um experienced people and industrious and very talented people mm-hmm. we're talking about g money dj john to uh, caroline mutoko calling you when mm. you're tour 96 I, i don't know who, who some of the people you worked with but i obviously uh, uh, royal media has a, a, a good mm. uh, you know host that of talent a, right yes a lot of time, yeah. what are some of the lessons from this journey that um, helped you especially during your time at xfm what are some of the lessons that um, you carried with you Ooh. And and I have a very heavy bias towards Homeboys Radio because that's where everything started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Homeboys was great because it Homeboys gave me confidence as a presenter. There was this very amazing trick. Uh the guy who trained us, he was called Duncan. When we were being trained, he said because you know, a studio can be very intimidating even if you think you're so good. So we were told every day come with something from our bedroom and the logic behind it is so it's so genius because 
when you're in your bedroom, you're usually probably by yourself. That's when you're most honest. That's when you're very open because it's just you, you know. So I used to have a Rubik's Cube in my, in my, in my bedroom in my parents' house. So I would carry it and what I then would be told, speak, like, speak to that thing, that object that you've come with because it's going to make you feel very comfortable, very at ease. A microphone can be very intimidating, especially when you see the light going on saying on air and you know people are listening. So that was a very, very cool thing. It helps me gain a whole lot of confidence to the point that when I went to Hot 96, especially because it was such a different environment, homeboys was young people, all Nairobi. Hot 96 is part of like this huge company mm -hmm. with people from all over Kenya. You walk in the corridors, people from Ramogi, Ramogi <laughs> the guys from Inoro. Inoro. Yeah. Like there was so much, I, I used to feel every day felt like I was, I was at the national drama festivals mm -hmm. or some shit like that because there was always, everyone is just uh, up and down, up and down. And it's very easy to lose your mind in such a place. So I, I even cultivated a reputation of, that guy, he he's always chilling because that was literally my my uh, response. I was like, how are you, Nick? I'm chilling. That's what you said today when you walked in. Yeah, I was like, what do you mean you're chilling? I'm like, yeah, I'm chilling. I'm not seeing a stress. <laughs> I, know, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know why I'm here. And so that helped me navigate through uh, Hot 96. And when I went to XFM, it was, it was all that discipline of, You've already learned how to be confident. You've learned how to be self-sufficient. You've also learned, also, I personally just, now this is just very individual. As Nick, I took a keen interest in radio. Like when I, I found myself in it, I was like, okay, now you're in it, learn it. I even wrote a paper. Man, Whoa. like you are to a homeboys. I used to stress them. I wrote a paper on why I, what I think the future of radio can be. At this, this point, was were you still at USIU? This was, yes, I yeah. was still in USIU, mm -hmm. uh, second, third year, mm -hmm. I believe. And I wrote this paper and then I just sent it on email to everyone in the office. And I was told no one read it. So I'm like, dude, you wrote us a seven page thing. Why? <laughs> I'm like, no, I just wanted to articulate my thoughts on what I think radio in the future is. I remember one thing I wrote on that because this was 2000 and I think nine going into 2010. And I remember that was the first time I'd ever heard about podcasts. Mm. And then I, and I remember I wrote a, a, a tiny paragraph saying, maybe even in the future, all radio presenters will be having podcasts as well as their own shows. But it's just a thought, you know, stuff like that. And then <laughs> now you said, I'm like, mm, mm. I see you child. <laughs> yeah. You were onto something. I was onto something. And you know, I, I sold that idea when I was at X. I would tell my bosses like, yo, we need to do podcasts. This is 2014. That's like, no, podcasts are not a thing. It's not a thing. It'll never be a thing. <laughs> Bro, we are on one right now, Maze. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Is, is, yeah, is there are. a way of getting this paper? Um, the problem is, I remember I sent it in the work email, your mm, homeboys. Uh, it wasn't from my personal yeah, email. Access. Okay. All good. All good. Ah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just before we jump a little more into, into the, the personal, personal. <laughs> uh, depending on how much time we've got, uh, from Maria's eyes and gestures will tell. Um, let's talk a bit about, uh, your experience on screen. 
Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, and that is something else altogether. But uh from higher learning mm. and higher on learning. and on, how how did that journey go? Uchungu too. <laughs> I have uh, 5 years is what it took for me to get on screen. Between 2005 and, and 2010, I did audition for I auditioned for Makutano Junction, I auditioned for Tahidi High, I auditioned for Mother-in-law. Just I they just passed on me. So I told mm. myself maybe Maybe I'm just a very strong theater actor and I'm not a strong screen actor. I got it. So I said, what can we do to become a good screen actor? A, and people hated me for this at Hot 96. Even Kidogo Homeboys. I used to uh, download a monologue every day from the internet, print it, go home, learn it. I'd learn the monologue. Um, First one was learning it. Second was I'd recite it just to see if I know the lines. Third is now I would act it out, like act it, act it in the room. And then the fourth, I would act it in front of a mirror just to see how weird I looked. So I remember each script that I would download, I would go through it four times. And I did this every day for about, I think about a year. It was close to a year. So higher learning, I was never meant to be on that show. Okay, no. That is wrong. I was meant to be on that show. It's just how I ended up on it that was very providence oriented. Cause they were it was a Friday. The show the show was being they were starting filming on Monday, right? Monday morning. On Friday afternoon, the director decides this character, I don't want this actor to play. I want this actor to play another role. So they're like, so what are we going to find an actor? who in short notice can come through and do this thing. And the character archetype was, oh, this is um, some rich kid in school who's vying for a chairperson, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he just has to be someone who's charismatic, but can also be very um, stoic. So Milo called me and told me, you're the only person I can think of. Like Milo. Milo. Millicent Ogutu. Millicent Ogutu. Okay. Great lady. Uh, from Phoenix Players. So she told me, dude, if you mess this up, it's fine because I know this is very last minute. I'm calling you on Friday to tell you about an audition on Saturday morning. But if you can do your thing, Maze, do it. And I was like, I've tried to get on screen for five years. It took me back to, I've tried to get into theater for 15 months. I was like, I am going to get this role. This one wasn't a, I want it, I want it, I need it. It was just, I have to prove to myself that I can that I can pull this off. Went for that audition at 7 in the a.m. on a Saturday. I remember I had rehearsals for a play in the afternoon. Did the audition. Afternoon, I'm at the rehearsals. I'm called, I'm told, dude, so like you need to come back right now and sign your contract and get your scripts and get costume fittings because we're shooting this on Monday. I was like sour. When I got into higher learning, very clear intentions. I was like, okay, now you're on screen. This is what you wanted, right? Where do you want it to go? And I told myself, because the first season of that show was an ensemble cast. Everyone had more or less the same screen time. I was like, I would really, I really want to do a good job until I can stand out in this show. Second season, I became the lead. So they had now leads, myself and... And interestingly enough, uh, a lady called Veronica Washeke, who uh. <laughs> we were in the same play the same day. She was also called oh, yeah. to go audition for a, a tiny role. And then we both got called at rehearsals to go back and sign in for this show. 
And then that's how we did the higher learning thing. Antonio Sol watched me on higher learning. He's the one who told me about the sugar, sugar. auditions. I never even knew. Those things were very under the water. Yes. Not everyone knew about those auditions. So he called me and told me, yo, tomorrow come to KNT and say that you were, you were, you were, cause they did a, they went to USIU and they looked for models to be extras. Cause USIU kwa madem, as they say. <laughs> so I was told, you just pretend you're one of the models. And then. As long as your name has been written down, everything else will be fine. So yeah, I came in purporting to be a model and then I was given lines and then the guy was like, oh, I think it's because he had seen so many models who can't act that to the point that I, I, I even showed just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, marginal. Was like, huh, that's cool. Because I remember the only question I was asked was, have you been on anything? And I was like, actually, just so you know, <laughs> lead actor in a TV series right about now, bro. Hello. I, I'm not just anybody. <laughs> Yo. And then ended up on Sugar. Sugar again, that one was after I was told that 800 people were seen for this role. And then I remember that last day with Octo and Lupita. I was like, dude, 100. Do it, do it, do it until someone sees you, someone watches this thing and sees you and gets you on another show. Little did I know it would literally be the producer because we finished shooting um, Sugar on a Thursday. It was a Thursday morning. We had like a wrap lunch thing. And then the producer pushes me aside and she asked me, I have a very strange question to ask you. Are you still doing that radio job? And, and I had quit. By this time I'd quit Hot 96 uh, because I just didn't want to work there. And so I was like, well, no, I'm actually, I have no job. And she's like, oh my God, this is great. Would you be interested in coming to South Africa for a few months to do this show we do? It's called Jacob's. Like, what? Like, Jacob's, <laughs> that, the one with that guy called Jacob, that one, the one my mother and I watched. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, went in, I did that show. There was a guy who told me something I've never forgotten. No, two people who told me two things I've never forgotten. One was the, he was the driver for the crew. He would drive us from up, he would pick us up and take us to the set. And all the places I used to stay, I used to stay in fancy places. I stayed in Santon. Santon, yeah. yeah. And then the guy was like, he told me one day when he was driving me to the set, he's like, you live in such a cool place. I'm like, yeah, temporarily. I mean, I don't live in this country, but he's like, no, this is, this is God's way of showing you that those are the things you need to get used to. I was like, that's deep, bro. <laughs> and I really did live in an amazing place. The other guy was the floor manager, a guy called Philip, who I, I still can't believe this happened. The day I landed in South Africa, I landed on mid, it was midnight. So in the morning at seven, I, I was taken to the set, like meet the people so that you can know this is what you're going to do. Acquaint yourself. Yes, exactly. Mm. This guy stopped the ent an entire scene, like a really charged scene was being done. And he just, he's not the director, he's just the floor manager. And he was like, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. Everyone stop. And everyone is pissed off. It's like, I see the director, this dude called Adze is like, Philip, man, what's going on? He's like, I need you people. He was also in Sugar. He was a floor manager for Sugar mm -hmm. in Kenya. So he's like, I need you people to know something right now you guys are in the presence of the next big African superstar. Mm. This man from Kenya and everyone from that day was just like, so you got what? 
what is it that you have that you know that's like i don't know i've never even been out of the country i'm just i'm just here to act but i remember jacob's cross i really had to put my best foot forward as well it's always like for me that's how these things happen like i'm like seeds were planted and then when you get the opportunity to you can't treat it lightly like like that was a sick opportunity to right because like yeah because me i was telling myself i was like i'm not even just acting in this show because i'm acting in it i'm acting in it like a kenyan in a south african production there's someone who will watch this thing in kenya and be like oh so it's possible so you mean you can actually get a role outside because i didn't even have to leave the country to get that role that was the best thing they picked me from here from what they saw me do and i'm always like you can't you can't take an opportunity and treat it lightly yeah. you shouldn't yeah. any opportunity you shouldn't yeah. bro hey and keep going clearly man, best food i've got plans manga plans bro great uh, let's let's connect um movies and a bit of a personal mm-hmm. yeah so i do know you you led uh, a film about two years ago uh how to dream how to dream in africa how to dream in oh, africa man. yeah uh which was directed and written by a, a good friend of the two of us mm-hmm. um koi yeah god rest us all for sure so so cool um in your career you've also uh lost people close to you mm-hmm. yeah at home boys at ex as well yes and in your personal life as well mm-hmm. and earlier on you mentioned um something close to transitions and respecting that a time comes when a thing has to stop mm-hmm. and this is life as well yep so how has it been dealing with losses around you and uh, most especially when it's so close home that it's literally at home mm-hmm. yeah so a bit around saliva mm-hmm. and how and what you dug from to sort of move forward in life knowing that you'd lost a brother mm. so like with my bro saliva vic who could spit rhymes that's why he's called saliva by the way just so you know <laughs> uh it was an official story it was um because i know that things come to an end for me I I know this for a fact and I'm I not even try to fight it. I I have never never gotten over the death of my bro. I never will. That's fine. That's fine. Miss Jali. I know that that grief is something that will come from time to time. Um it used to be like every other week. Nowadays it's like once a month, maybe every two months or if I hear a song that he used to like or something like that. That's when it will it'll it'll come in, you know, just get me a little bit off balance however especially saliva no saliva and ruhela um which is interesting because they were the two of them were very close as well um it's that thing for there were individuals who really lived they lived their truth like everyone used to say this about my bro you this guy doesn't have a filter why don't you why don't you ever just hold back why do you say what's on your mind like that why do you tweet such things and i'm like it's because he was a guy he knew himself and it's very important to know yourself as a person know yourself and be comfortable with yourself to the point that 
I honestly, I honestly say this. The reason why I know, I know everything happens the way it's supposed to happen was because my brother died on the 31st of December at 7, 7 something, 7.15. And 31st of December every year, my bro, he would always be like, you guys need to stop putting so much emphasis on jumping into a new year. Because he'd be like, look, it's it's not New Year in Kenya, but it's already New Year in some other country in the world. So stop putting all this emphasis on on like this particular moment. This is going to, this is something monumental, you know? So when he died on the 31st, and I remember that day, my brother, my other brother had a huge plan. I had a huge plan. Like we all had things, we all had separate uh, New Year's Eve plans, mm. which is something we had never done before. We always spent New Year's Eve together. Yeah. That one year, everyone was to do their own thing. Ha! We all ended up in a fucking hospital from 7 CG till 11 in the PM. And then I, I remember thinking to myself, you did this on purpose, bro. You just wanted people to be together f- during this whole thing for jumping into a, another another whatever another calendar year and i remember from that from that day maybe maybe it's it's also a grief or a trauma thing but ever since nowadays as family 31st it's just another day it's not just another day it's it's a it's a day we all just remember saliva okay but we don't do the ooh flowers confetti happy new year it's Mm. So I don't know if it's I don't know if that answered it. It's just yes. it does. It does. Um, on that day, you tweeted that to paraphrase, you've lost your hero. Yeah, because my brother really believed in me. My bro Saliva is the one who told me, like even the the radio thing. Because you know when I got the job, I was like, I was so anxious. I didn't tell him. I didn't tell anyone. He was the first person I had to tell because I was like, hey, why are you called by homeboys? It's like, ah, no, they haven't called me yet. I'm like. I'm like, okay, so me, I was called, but maybe they still, maybe they're calling people slowly. So he's like, no, no, bro. I think they called you because you got the job. And I'm like, but I wasn't going there for the job. He's like, dude, if if an opportunity like this comes your way, you must acknowledge it for what it is. And it's an opportunity for you to grow. And, he's, and I remember he told me, even if all I had to do was insist that you take me for the audition for you to discover a part of your life that you probably wouldn't have, then my job is done. And truth be told, half of my relationships, um, both work and personal, all that happened thanks to radio. A lot of, a lot of the connections, a lot of even the way I think, a lot of it was was very solidified when I was on radio. It's literally a turning point in your life. Mm. Yeah. And I was just like, ah, and this was just, I was just taking this guy for so, like my bro was even acting. He was the one who told me, so, I don't know why, but I I, I always wanted to go by the actor name Nicholas Nicholas. Because I just thought that sounded so cool. And I was like, dude, why are you ashamed of your real name? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not ashamed. I just like the name Nicholas Nicholas. Wouldn't you watch a movie <laughs> starring Nicholas Nicholas? Like, no, I would watch a movie that stars Nick, Nicholas Ndeda. Then I was like, fine, okay. I'll use Nicholas Ndeda if you insist. So like, it's it's little things like those. He was the kind of guy who would teach you things without shoving it down your throat. He was just very in tune with 
with with life and people yeah. and he was and he was a feeler yeah he hey nigga used to cry too many commercials too many <laughs> yeah yeah too many that's beautiful yeah. bro. And, and how was your relationship growing up um was was, was it always him being a hero to you and um yeah anything you could speak to that um actually because you know my brothers were my brothers were very popular in school they were very bright like they were all number one students and then they were all school prefects and i was very poor academically and i was very shy so my relationship with my brothers was they were they were my only friends like they would go play with the kids in the neighborhood and then they'd come home a bit early just to hang with me because one time they took me outside like let's introduce you to people in the estate and they're like i but he's weird and then i was like oh fine so just sit in the house so they would come and try to comfort me like let's just hang growing up we weren't we were close but not close like we know how each other feels mm-hmm. but when we all hit 18 like that was that was a thing we even moved in together when we moved out of our parents house and we lived together the for three one of you. year the three of us yeah. we moved right. to a three bedroom apartment in langata lived together for a year and it was it was one of the best moments because i got to see my brothers in in another light cuz by that time saliva had lived on his own for a while so we are the ones who are like let's move out of our parents house and then saliva you you come through we find a place let's live the three of us and that's when i really saw how emotional my brother would be about things about life that's how i found out how my other brother is also very focused when it comes to setting intentions for things that's when they realize that oh yeah this guy likes smoking cigarettes a lot <laughs> and I, i and i was and i was and i was also very fortunate to have a brother who who called me out on my bs cuz by the time we were moving in together this was 2010 so by this time i have been on radio for like three years i know i'm good I'm on TV. I've been in the theater for a minute and I just dropped out of of campus. So I had this air of by the way me, I can do whatever. I can do whatever. So I used to show up with like different ladies and then my bro one day was just like he told me these were his literal words. It was on a Saturday night to mekunywa pombe and then he looked at me and said, "Nick, When did you be when did you allow yourself to become such a demon? And I was like, what do you mean? I'm one of the coolest people <laughs> alive. It's like and that's the problem. It's because you think you're so cool. When did you become that person who thinks about being cool all the time? I'm like, no, but ever since I was a kid, I was never cool and he's like, yeah, but you're not a kid now and you don't have to you don't have to try to be this cool enigma of a person which was also largely fueled by radio because of that thing i mentioned how oh if you're a male presenter you have to be loud like i used to go to the club every day i look back and that shit was like where did i get the energy to go to a cl- do my radio show till 4 4 go to the theater do rehearsals till 8 8 o'clock go to moenda's drink until midnight midnight go to the local bar in langata drink till 2 uh possibly sometimes not all the time but possibly get some lady take her home go to bed with her wake up like four hours later run to school 
do the school thing, run to radio, do the radio thing, mm. repeat Monday to Sunday. And it was, and when my bro told me that thing is when I was like, hey, sour, nimeskia, umesema, umesema ukweli. So I like that he used to call me out on bullshit. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Family don't bro. do that. And they yeah. should, they <laughs> should. Yeah. One of my favorite lines from The Wire. Um, the I wife? need to watch that show. Saliva yeah. made forced me for years. Mm. CJ watch, but you I have show marks. I will watch yeah, it need, one of these days. Um, from Bubbles, he says, um, a no shame in holding on to grief as long as you make room for other things. Bless. Mm-hmm. Bless. It's you grow with it. Yeah. 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 You grow with the grief. Yo, bro. Hey, I as we are getting closer to the bell, what's the last thing you've changed your mind about? Oh shit. Oh no. It could be as silly or as deep or dope as you want. Honestly, the one thing that I've changed my mind about was marriage. Because I never believed in marriage, and then I met a woman who made me believe in marriage, and then when I messed that marriage up and found myself single again i was like ah by they me marriage i'll never do this it's i i was i was part of that brigade of marriage is a scam mm-hmm. and then i and i i like the fact that i didn't have someone to talk me into it i literally just sat and i told myself dude marriage is not a sham marriages work if you work on them you didn't work on your marriage that's where your marriage ended so you can't come out here and put a blanket statement and say you'll never get married. Maybe you just weren't willing to put in work. You might meet someone who will make you, not like force you, but you'll just be like, hey, mazemi napenda udem. I have to do whatever I can to make sure that, I have to do whatever I can to make sure that like, I do not lose this person. So when, Uh, Mudoni and I separated, I was like, never, ever, ever going to do it. But literally, literally two nights ago, mm-hmm. I told myself, yeah, I would definitely do it again. I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not holding on to an identity of, I am not one to get married. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah, basically forming an identity around it. You're open to it now? Yeah. Okay. I am open to it. And it's scary because it's, It's making me think about a lot of other things. Yeah. yeah. But people change every day though. Absolutely. Can yeah. we appreciate the fact that people change, <laughs> change every change day? Change is the only yeah. consistent thing yeah. in life, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I maybe just on the issue I, idea of marriage. Mm-hmm. Um what are how long were you married for? I was married for two and a half years. Two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um what are some again, what are some of the lessons from those two and a half years that you'd use if the opportunity for another, For another. Yeah, marriage arises mm-hmm. um i think some of the top things would just be be more considerate um also realize that it's a thing that it's it only works if both people are working and are working at it and with the same what's that thing called same trajectory mm-hmm. Like we're all like, we're in agreement. Yeah. This is what we're doing. I know one of the things I was not uh, 100% honest on when we got married was the direction. Because I knew I knew the direction um, she wanted our married life to be. I was just like, mm, well, I mean, that sounds okay. 
but and flow with it. Yeah, flow with it exactly. And the disadvantage with that is now it made me a passenger. Mm. Made me a passenger in my own marriage and and he was like, "Kwani, what am I am I in this thing by myself?" In it makes it makes no sense and that is literally what led to a whole lot of things uh breaking down in the marriage. That and the fact that I I was a dick. That too. Mm, yeah. That much I can admit I was. It takes a lot of awareness to admit that. Mm. It does. Good it does. Good. Um as, as, <laughs> sorry. Um, um I, I recently started talking to myself. Awesome. Weirdly, right? Um it's not weird, but it's one of those things that I've no, I've since noticed for maybe a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um it gives me a certain level of clarity of thought, right? Um, what's you up. talk a lot to yourself all the time when you're walking, right? All um, the time. Yeah, and and obviously when when I started doing that and in the course of doing research about you, and I started reading uh, reading about it, it's crazy because I discovered it by myself without going to literature mm-hmm. and, and or watching a, a YouTube video somewhere, and then later on when I was doing research on you, that's when I, I realized okay, it's actually a thing, and there are a lot of papers written about it, mm-hmm. uh, both from a psychology point of view as well as from a neuroscience point of view, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and one of the things that came to me was you know language provides. Um, that distance between you and your experiences so that you and, and going back to something you mentioned about creating characters mm. you're sort of creating a gap between you and your experiences and and so you become sort of an observer yes it's one of the other lessons from meditation where you're able to isolate the thinker from the thoughts mm. or the doer from mm. the deeds sort of right That's but in the day-to-day life um talking to yourself provides that cognitive distance between you and your experiences mm-hmm. um and and so long and short for this long-winded uh, uh, story is um how did that start is it something that you started doing intentionally that's one and two um how do you do people think you're crazy or insane when you do it and and um, what are some of the benefits you accrue on a day-to-day um either personally or from your career um from people, talking to yourself people definitely think i'm crazy okay which is fine. Yeah. Ah, me, I don't mind. If I wasn't, if I wasn't such a recognizable face in the CBD, I would do it more honestly. But and now, thanks to masks, ah, now it's easy. <laughs> I stay talking to myself as I walk. Um, I don't, I don't think I started it like consciously. Mm. I think it was literally. I was just sitting because my mom would lock me in the house and go back to work after picking me up from school. And because my brothers come back from school at five and my used to come home at 12. So mm. it was just, uh, I'm sitting in the house, TV was switched off, it was locked, I couldn't access it. And all I literally had was the plate of food that my mom gave me for lunch. And then I just have to sit in the living room. So I don't know. I think I just, I just started talking to myself. It's got great benefits. The more, I think 90% of the time, a lot of the, of those moments of, ah, this is what I need to do. Mm. They've all come from me talking to myself, just like I will. And then I, cause my talking to myself is literally, I don't do the, I, th- I think I should, I should try to buy this thing tomorrow. No, it's those four. So yesterday when you went to see Akina Pato, did you think they were going to get drunk, Jenna? No, I didn't think so. Then why, why did you, why did you call him then? And I'm, and I would literally be talking like I'm talking to someone in the room. Like if you would hear 
from outside, you would assume that there are two people in the room because it's never I, it's always you. Like, you should have you should have left the house earlier. You would have made it for the podcast in time. And then I would respond and be like, yeah, I could have, but you also have to remember that I was, it's always a you. Even yesterday, I caught myself saying, what did I say? I was like, you know what's the coolest thing about Nick? And I was like, why didn't you say what's the coolest thing about you? Or why did you say the coolest thing about me? It's always, there's always this kind that, of detachment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which for me works. Mm -hmm. For me, it works because I'm able to see myself and and see things that I think if I personalize it too much, I would start getting defensive and like not trying to own a situation. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. like that helped me a lot in the after the separation. Because it was me just sitting in the house by myself and saying stuff like, well, you know, you never used to do this. And you never used to do that. That is the reason why she bounced. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Not, yeah, hi, yeah. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We all do that as kids, by the way. Again, from literature. Mm. And then now actually thinking about my son. Um, I see him. And you see kids. If you pay attention to kids, you see them going around the house. Marie, have you seen that? Kids talking to themselves. They do that all the time, right? But then um, as we grow, we stop doing that maybe as a sign of maturity but it's actually not it's mm. not necessarily you becoming mature you're actually losing something mm. i was told it's because i look crazy like my mom would tell me that all the time like stop talking because you know it was loud mm. when i'm in the bedroom and you're like what? so my mom would be like stop talking to yourself people will think you're crazy and then you'll be taken to mother <laughs> where your cousin is because yeah bang. yeah <laughs> good um what are the what are some of the lessons from your parents um, your mother your dad um some that you, you wow. still cling on to um my dad is my dad is working hard like identify what you're good at work at it eventually it will it will always pay off my dad went to alliance in oxford so <laughs> <laughs> clearly he yeah, knows something yeah, yeah. my mom is believing in your dreams because this is this is my mom was an actor at some point like when she was young she wanted to be an actor and then she but then like this is in the 70s so that dream she had very quickly like no so my mother wanted to be uh, a flight attendant uh and that didn't work out because of politics of the of that time so she ended up being a teacher, which she loved. She was a great teacher. Um, but she was always, she would always tell us stuff like, when you find that thing that you really want to do, do it. Masi, please do it. It's like, I remember when I told them about the acting thing, I was freaked out. I was like, Kenyan parents. And then you want to tell them what you want to be an actor. You know, they'll say no and they'll kick you out. And my mom was like, do it. And my dad was like, well, I see how hard you work in it. So I can't not say it's not worth a shot, mm. you know. So I like the support, support, um, belief in self as well. My my mom is a really big believer of telling us like, but you guys, you guys are so, okay. It's true though. It's true. When you were kids, we were such good children especially my two older brothers, maybe didn't exist. So I was good by default. <laughs> by default. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone used to tell 
their kids, like parents would tell their kids, I wish you could be like Mama Victor's children. Saliva's first name is Victor. So everyone would be like, why can't you be like Mama Victor's children? You go to school, because we're all in the same school, and teachers are like, I, Mama Victor, what do you, I don't know what you teach these boys, but they're so well-mannered, they're so nini-nini, so, and it's just my mom always just telling us, yo, you need to be, you need to be the best version of yourself you can be. And do that from as early in life as possible. Mm. So, and my mom is very dope. She's very popular. And I can get celeb shags. So mm. I'm like, <laughs> it's because of. It's where the dopeness comes from. Eh? It's where the dopeness comes hey, from. Yeah. There yeah. you go. So we, 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 normally, we normally wrap it all up with a could be quote. A could be. Yeah, could be quote. So you could make it up right now. Or it could be quoting someone like your mom. Oh. Or maybe a quote that you normally gravitate towards to encourage yourself or something. And we always say, imagine yourself in front of this huge crowd that mm. is mostly African. So other guys are definitely welcome. But it's billions mm. of Africans. And you want to tell them, this is what I remind myself. Or this is what I like to cling on to. To just keep going. To just keep dreaming. So mm. would you quote your mom? Would you, or do you have other quotes that uh, you'd probably put on a t-shirt and stand in front of this crowd? Not speak, let the quote speak. Huh. It was, it was so, I, this morning I was reading, I was reading this poem. I, apparently it's very popular, Miss uh -huh. Jewy, because I was not that big into poetry. Uh, Invictus, I'm sure you've. Definitely. Yeah, so I was reading that and then it reminded me it reminded me of um, something that I I don't tell myself every day, but I know from time to time, especially in the middle of a project, whether it's a play, um, TV, whatever, um, I always, I, I sometimes tell myself, the only person who knows how dope you can be, and this time we admit the word dope, the only person who knows how dope you can be is you. Mm. So don't ever wait for someone to validate that. So that's what, because yeah, that, that's actually the thing. Yeah. You, only, you, only you know how dope you really are or how dope you can you be. be. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how many... How many people don't don't fuck with you? It doesn't matter how many people might even be like, oh my God, you're the greatest. It's only you know that. Yeah. So how about living, how about living life to try to become that level of dopeness that you believe? That you you have, be. Because no one else will ever see it. And maybe to them, what they're seeing now is like, that's your best. Like I remember when I was on, Homeboys, a lot of people are like, yeah, that's the best that you'll ever do. I went on to become not just a radio presenter, I became a deputy programs controller, I became a music scheduler, I trained presenters, and it's only because I could see it. I was like, by the way, I can do this. Even, even writing, writing for screen, which is something I literally started maybe two years ago, about two years, it hasn't been long, but it's only because... I sat and I watched a movie and like, you know, you can watch a movie and see them speaking and stuff. But sometimes I watch a movie and when I see like someone coming out of the car, shuts the door, walks into the house, like what I'm seeing is literally lines like he opens the door, slams it, looks around, 
pauses, walks into the building, cut to lady sobbing way before even lines are said. And I'm like, I was like, wait, so that means I can actually do this thing then. Cool. Let me jump on it. The one thing that I am, I, 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 I'm starting to tell myself I can do, but I've been afraid to do it is directing that is full screen because it's very technical and maybe spend and give it to technical you know it it's within you you can do yeah, it yeah so mm. that's yeah mm. last question if you have to have dinner with two people dead or alive who you consider successful, successful. by your own measure oh, whatever that looks like okay right by your own measure mm. um who would those two pe- uh, two people be can i have a, a question thrown in there yeah the idea of the dinner is we are going to be talking yeah. about success sharing anything whatever whatever or or, or whatever yeah. yeah hey my friend and and this is this is a question i have i've even thought i've thought about i know one person for sure can you it's definitely can you <laughs> definitely you know why because you're dope and you do dope shit and i do dope shit yeah. man ah, and can you ask man he's so dope mm. he's so dope i think the other person I think the other person is Rihanna and the reason is I'm just like I would want to know I would want to cultivate that level of yes I know I'm big I'm famous I'm expected to be a role model I'm expected to be this person but I just don't give a fuck I will live my life cuz me I'm who I am that's why I would love to have yeah Rihanna and Kanye nope. not not on the same table No please. <laughs> It's going to be different dinners. Yeah. Cuz yeah. dinner with Ye, I'm sure we'll eat some nice vegetarian rice, brown rice and shit like that. Yeah. And with Rihanna we'll do shots. Mm. Like, yeah. Let's do shots, Dang. girl. Yeah. yeah. Bro, mm. to that table and beyond. Thank you so much for sitting around this very table with us. Thank you for having me. I am oh. looking forward to Yeah. to seeing you guys do more. I like I like that you like you're doing this thing for there there aren't enough there aren't enough platforms well maybe there are they just don't get a lot of um they're not out there they're not at the forefront visible. Yeah. they're not visible yeah a lot of platforms that are all up, that are more on the basis of um building yourself it's more about build build a career build a build a job like it's it's very it's very detached from growing yourself as a person and more of growing something yeah. something that is outside of you grow a business um i don't know plant some shit yeah. but so it's very important to have platforms where it's promoting self growth yeah. yeah hey asante sana bro asante sana for, sana for noticing that for mentioning that and most of all for honoring the invitation to be with us Yeah, this is being born. I I can't say more than that. Uh, yeah. I've enjoyed the conversation um, thoroughly. We we always do this fast for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We bring on people we admire, people we revere, up. and then uh, as a collateral effect, it ends up becoming beneficial to other people. Mm-hmm. So the only way the only reason you're sitting here is fast because we admire you very much. Thank um, you. And and we're grateful for giving us the honor. Um, and Sante all the Sana. stories of busy being born. Sante Sana. Yeah. Uh, in case uh, people want to reach you, whatever, how can they holler at you? Me only holler at me on my gram. Find me <laughs> on Insta. Well, because all my handles are the same. It's Nick Ndada everywhere, but I'm not 
I tweet every now and then, not too often, but I am on Instagram a lot. So at Nick Ndeda, find me. I know there's two of us. The other <laughs> one has an underscore. And anyway, all you have to do is search Nick Ndeda. If you, if you keep seeing Betty Kialo, then it's not me. <laughs> it's that simple. <laughs> Shout outs to you, Betty. And for you guys, Maze, thank you. It's been a ride. It's been, uh, this is episode 22, man. 22. Yeah. Shout out to everyone who's come through from Karanja in uh, producing episode one and episode two. Then Abu taking it off from there. Asante sana. Too many more. Salute, bro. Maria, thank you so much. Thank you. So, Maze Maria has told us she'll be like away for like two months and we are missing we, her. We, we are freaking, yeah, we're freaking call, out. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So we celebrate you. We celebrate you. We love you so much. Yeah. Oh, Mato wasn't really cool like when we were getting to know it. Nisababu ya sheng. Now I think I've taught you a few words. Denge. Eh, maze, denge. We salute you. Thank you so much. And for you guys who've been listening, Asante sana. These episodes are here and we'll keep being here. Another season, we look forward to that. Nick Ndeda, thank you for helping us wrap the first season. This is, this is, this is, this was meant to be. It was. That's what it is. Yeah. It was not a coincidence, so. Um, Getting to episode 22 in podcasting, means the data shows mm-hmm. that you're 90% likely to be there to for, keep it going yeah, to keep it going yeah. Um, yeah that is true that is true oh my god i did a podcast for <laughs> four episodes four episodes yeah is yeah four yeah yeah um, um, respect past episode 21 um, yeah, a lot of maybe more than ninety five percent. What was that number? Ninety five percent, something like that. Yeah, don't make it past episode. 22. Oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. actually why we decided to make our first season twenty two episodes, just to say they said we wouldn't make it past twenty one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what they Jokes said. Jokes on you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're the best. Yeah, okay, but we've enjoyed it thoroughly, and and thanks Nick and to you who's listening. Thanks for keeping us company. And remember, um, as we always say, if you're not busy being born, then you're probably busy not living. I've been your host, Commander. Kego Odu. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Do look out for more from us. For now, Kwaheri.